0: Welcome on in. It is overtime with John at the Beetle. I'm glad you guys could be with me here on this Thursday. I actually bungled my own open and then we tried to save it. I Matt got me heated, okay? Matt got me a little heated before the show got underway. I was the dumb dumb. I was the bird brain. You know, here I am. My boss comes in today. He goes, oh, you're ready for what's happening in the seven o'clock right off the rip of your show? You're ready for it? And I'm like, what's happening? A very, a very concerned citizen over here. What's happening at seven o'clock during my show? He's like, well, Jared Allen might get snubbed for the NBA All Star vote, and I'm like, that's not a question. He's got like, he's not going to make it. Like, what are you talking about? He's not. I, I was very. Now, maybe I was in a little bit of a mood. I didn't think I was in a mood, but like looking back on it, you know, sometimes when you do like the the play by play of conversations back in your head. Might just be people with anxiety like myself. I do play-by-play of conversations back in my head. And then I thought about it later, and I was like, I was pretty adamant and pretty snippy in regards to the idea. I was like, it's not a story. Like, Jared Allen's not making the reserve list. It's not going to happen. So what I find fascinating about that is that a couple things here. One, I was talking with Joe Varden earlier today, and Joe Varden will join us later on this hour, whether Jared Allen makes it or doesn't make it. And I thought it was interesting where Joe Varden was like, hey, listen. And we'll talk about it later on, but it's, I don't think it's wild. I don't think it's crazy. And then I'm asking Mac right before we get on. I said, Mac, give me your NBA center list because I I was giving him mine. Right? If Embiid's going to be the starter, and we know that. And then I'm, I'm going through the East, and he's like, he's like, you know, Bam Adebayo's got to be up there. And I'm like, agreed. And then he brings Pascal Siakam into the mix, and I'm like, that's a crime. And you can't bring him to the you can't bring him to the table. I know what these voters do. They might, but you can't bring Siakam to the table.
2: So. Again, only reason why I was doing that was because Devo's advocate for that. I don't actually think Siakam is a center, but I thought that that was being Devo's advocate, and that was a name
0: that came off the top of my head. Porzingis is a bigger name, and I think Porzingis will get more run because he's a bigger name, and Boston's the best team in the NBA. If that happens, I don't think we can be absolutely crushed by it. Capella, you got to be a little crushed by but Capella's playing pretty good basketball right now, too. Brooke Lopez as well in Milwaukee. Always got to worry about any of the Lopez's is what I always say. That's what I always tell people. But I, I yeah, I know. I'm looking at this, and what's fascinating. So I'm just I'm reading through some things here, guys, because sometimes you can make it really obvious. Like I went to the uh, when I went to the Cleveland Sports Awards the other day, and I was trying to dig around for some dirt. And I'm not going to tell you what that dirt is, uh, but it did come true. I just don't want to tell you guys where I got any of my info because I'm going to be shady about this right now. Okay. Just trust me on this one. All right. Just trust me. So I, I go to the Cleveland Sports Awards and I'm talking around and one ideology was one thing. And then I go to the Cleveland Sports Awards and all of a sudden it all gets flipped right up on its head all in, in like a, in like a six hour stretch. The whole entire conversation around this one bronze topic went from it's unanimously happening this way to then it's unanimously happening another way. All right. Follow, follow where the, the conversations are going there, right? I'm having a little bit of that type of moment where I was thinking the entire week long. I'm like, there's no way Jared Allen is making the reserve list. And Jared Allen has been absolutely incredible. He's obviously made an all-star game before. There's no doubt about that or anything weird there. I mean, he's, he's worthy. He's got what 16 straight double doubles. He has been absolutely awesome throughout this stretch of basketball. And the only scary part I would have, which is a good news and good sign for Cavs fans, is that Jared Allen is having people like my boss and Joe Varden all be like, you know what, wouldn't surprise me. Not, it's not a crazy thought as I as I try to instigate and I try to tell him, you go you're, you're going looney tunes on me here. You're going off the deep end. He's not going to make it. No chance he makes it. So maybe I'm undervaluing, and I, I, watch every single Cavs game, so I know I'm not undervaluing Jared Allen. I don't believe I am at least. But maybe in the, in the discussion as far as who is at the top of the East, maybe I'm undervaluing, uh, undervaluing Jared Allen. And then Jared Allen should send like an edibles arrangement to Donovan Mitchell, and then on top of it, really, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland for not being on the court in that stretch. That's really what should happen. If Jared Allen makes the reserve team Tonight, uh, what is the NBA equivalent of an edible arrangement? Like, if I want to thank somebody, I'm like, here's an edible arrangement. Thank you so much. That's my go-to gift. I'm like, here, here we go. I appreciate you. I respect you. Thank you very much. What's the NBA equivalent? If it was James Harden, he would say strippers. But I don't know what anyone else would say in this situation. What, what do you send? You, you send Darius Garland some protein shakes after the, the jaw being wired shut? I think he's probably had more protein shakes than you ever want to have in a life. What do you send these guys? Is it Evan Mobley? Maybe Evan Mobley needs the protein shakes. The man could put on. He's built like a twizzler. He could put on some weight. So we'll find out. When we find these out, I, I'll i will keep you posted. We can get this thing going. They're going one by one. Carl Anthony Towns now named to the list. Paul George now named to the list. They're going one by one. They're going to drag this thing out. I don't know at what point it'll happen. When it does, we'll talk about it, and we'll go through some of the things we just had to say right there. But what I do want to start with you guys is talking about the LeBron discourse. And the LeBron discourse in the previous 24 hours, I feel like, is telling to me. I think it's an acknowledgement from the fan base that there's a ceiling to this Cavs team. And I think why fans and Ken Carmen can all say they're tired of LeBron and the baggage that comes from LeBron is that this version of the Cavs might be enough for a lot of Cavs fans. I don't think we treat the Cavs like how we treat the Browns, where the end goal has to be the Super Bowl or we'll never be happy. I don't know if it's because the Cavs did win in 2016 or if it's just being jaded by the LeBron years. Excuse me. We're making it to the NBA Finals. Stop feeling like a steak dinner, something special. Started feeling like it was a birthright almost. Cavs are a top-five seed in the NBA. And let me ask you, to below 92 on Twitter there you can find me. I am at one Do you need the Cavs to be a title team, or are you just happy with them being competitive? Because LeBron to the Cavs tells me what you think about this team if you go either direction. If you're on the other side of the equation where you're thinking kind of like Anthony Lima, of course we would take LeBron. You're silly to suggest anything otherwise. But I I feel like you're telling me that this Cavs team can get better, and I also feel like you're telling me you want to win a title at all costs. Whereas if you're on Ken's side, maybe you like the stability of it all. Maybe you're trying to tell me that you you kind of like just fourth, fifth, third seed. Let's do this for a decade. Let's constantly win games. Let's stay relevant. And let's make this our lot in life. Now, I apologize in advance that uh half of my references in life all go back to 90s baseball. If I was on Jeopardy, my category would be 90s baseball. It's not even close. It's like uh, foods that start with the letter Q and white men can't jump. Mine is 90s baseball. Well, the 97 Marlins stuck out to me. Because there's a a stretch in Marlins baseball when they became an expansion team up until 2002. 1993 to 2002, spanning nearly a decade worth of games and a decade worth of seasons. We know what happened in 97. We obviously all watched that. We saw that with our own two eyes. 97, they won the World Series. They won 90 games once They won 80 games once, and every other season was below that. Arguably eight monstrously bad to borderline awful seasons of baseball, and then that one year where they bought themselves the title. And I feel like Cavs fans are kind of worried about it. If you went for LeBron James and you try to really make a push for LeBron, which I don't think is going to happen, but if you made a push for LeBron James, you would upset what they're currently doing right now, and you would be turning into a version of the 1997 Marlins, where you sell out for one season of greatness, but in turn, you give yourself what could be eight or nine years of rebuilding, bad basketball, and no fun on any given night. It's amazing. I was watching uh, over the weekend... Conference championship games, with my brother in law came in from New York, right? And and we're sitting there and he grew up in Cleveland, diehard Cavs fan, everything, right? And he was telling me this. He goes, he goes, you know, I'm just I'm happy that we can just be competitive. I said, Jacob, come on. The whole point of sports is to win the title. The whole point of sports is it's a zero sum game. Either you won the title or you didn't win a title. He goes, No, 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 no. I just want to be competitive. I like this spot where the Cavs are third, fourth, fifth in the East. I like the spot where we're competitive any game that we play in. you know, We can take on the Bucks, and it doesn't feel like we have no chance on any given night. We can match up with the 76ers. We can match up with the Boston Celtics. We can take on these teams, and it doesn't feel like we are absolutely screwed. And there's something to be said about that. I think about the Guardians a lot in this type of context, right? Guardians throughout that 10-year stretch, the final 10 years with Terry Francona, how many 90-plus win seasons did we have? We did make it to a World Series. We didn't win one. But how many 90-plus win seasons did we have? So many, including so many different postseason trips. Well, would you rather be the the stretch from 93 to 2002 with the Marlins or would you rather be the, you know, 2013 to 2023 Guardians? where you're in there every single year and you're competitive every single year and you have a real chance against any team in the league. That's kind of what I feel like the Cavs are building themselves towards. You know, Right now, if you tell me you love LeBron, I'm not going to tell you anything otherwise, but if you tell me you love what this roster is, I'm going to do so with the understanding that what you're telling me is you're putting being competitive year in, year out over trying to go for the gusto trying to go for the big-time win, the uh, the uh 2016 Cavs parade where you can do everything and anything, right? And you can go absolutely buck wild for a whole 72 hours. You can get uh drunk on 9th Street. You can see a, a shirtless J.R. Smith, all those type of things, right? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. But how would it compare to... The reality that every time LeBron James leaves a place, he doesn't leave it with the house burnt down. He leaves it in a, in a, a pit of ashes. How does that compare? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Bill Ryder, writer than you on CBS Sports Radio. What a tagline that is! It's like a constant reminder that he's just always writer than you. It's a great name. It goes right, uh, but it's kind of like it's kind of like Nick Wright. where sometimes people are like oh Nick wrong. Like you set yourself up in a really bad way if you miss. But this was Bill Ryder earlier today on Afternoon Drive.
2: I think there's a lot of value because I keep asking myself, and this is bad for Bronny, but if I'm a team like the Thunder or the Grizzlies come to mind who have a draft pick in the summer and I could just, you know, draft at the 7th or ninth or 11th pick, a kid that's never going to play in the NBA if you draft him this summer and LeBron came with him, I think LeBron is like six man of the year or maybe a guy that plays like the Spurs used to back in their last championship. He plays 25 minutes a game during the regular season and plays 55 games, but then he plays a bunch of minutes in the postseason. I think there's a huge amount of value there if it goes into a contending team. Not if he's the number one, one, but if he's like going to a team that's a second tier team but wants to make a
0: push, I think there's a lot of value in LeBron. All right. I want to react to some of this with you guys. 216474 below 92. So we're waiting on the reserves. When we get that, I'll let you guys know. We also do. A- Jax, do we have a breaking news sounder? My goodness, we're not used to breaking news on this. Oh, the big Weege just got thrown completely for a loop there. Your head went completely around. Do you know the big news? Do you know I'm about to break here? I don't think you do. I do know. It doesn't matter if you're This your from Mary Kay Cabot? It is. All right, Big Weesh. Go ahead and tell him. Go ahead. It appears that the Titans have asked to interview offensive line coach Bill Callahan from the Browns and that it's actually happening in that all according to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. All right. I'm going to read the juicier part because you made it seem like it was, uh, you know, like there was some sort of like will he, won't he type thing. Uh, Cleveland.com, Browns offensive line coach Bill Callahan is leaving Cleveland to join his son Brian Callahan, the new head coach of the Titans. League source tells Cleveland.com, and uh, that is it. He received permission from the Browns to interview with his son, who has always said he'd love to work with his dad. Details currently being worked out. It's expected to be done soon. Breaking news ninety 92.3 The Fan presented by BetQL. Be bet smarter by downloading the BetQL app. Use Ohio 25 to get 25% off your first month. We'll get to LeBron. We'll get to the reserves and everything else. i got to quickly react to this Bill Callahan news and then we can move ourselves a little bit forward. Uh I, The first blush reaction is that obviously the Browns take a step back here. There's no debate about that. I had told you guys I had thought with certainty that it was a too cool of an opportunity to pass up. And then it felt like everyone and their brother kept telling me, no, 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 no. He makes roughly between two to three million dollars. This is too good of a situation. He's going to have a chance. This is the part that blows my mind. He'll have a chance for a Super Bowl run with the Browns. It's not going to happen there in Tennessee. And he's got to weigh the pros and the cons for a legendary coach. Is it that cool to go be ahead, uh, to be on your, your, uh, son's staff? I I thought a lot about this, and ultimately the conclusion I came to is that that if it was me, there's twofold. If it was me, my daughter she doesn't speak many words. She says "dada" and she says "mama," right? She doesn't speak too many words. If she asked me to do anything, next to move a mountain, I would do it, right? Like that's just that's just how that works. Uh, uh, but I was looking at this from Brian Callahan's shoes. If you're Brian Callahan, I'll flip this around. You get your dream job. You're finally a head coach. Your dad is one of the best, if not the best at the position. Do you ask your dad to come aboard or does it feel like maybe having your dad involved in your work and your family life is a little bit too much? I love my mom dearly. She's one of my favorite people on planet earth. If my mom and my mom did radio, she did, she was a country music DJ in Chicago when I was growing up. That's what we did. That's how I got into radio, right? I love her dearly. If she was like, you know, you got grandkids now? Grandkid. And uh I just I want to be closer to them. I'm moving to Cleveland. She teaches at a university in Kansas now. She's a communications teacher. She got a PhD so now she teaches, right? If she's like, I want to I found a great school. John Carroll wants to hire me tomorrow and uh they'll, they'll let me teach, but I really want to I want to work on your show at night. I want to be right there with you with overtime with Jonathan Peterland. What do you say? Talk to Andy Roth. He says, let's do it. Thinks it'll be awesome. I would say, no way, mom. Like, no, this is my thing. Like, this is this is my deal. I know you could help. I know you could. I know you'd be great at it. No, this is my deal. I, I'm sorry. I love that you'd be as committed as I would be. No, doesn't work that way. I need a separation of church and state. I need the separation of family life and work life. That's just how this operates. So I'm a little surprised in that respect That it actually got done. Clearly, they looked at the obvious route. And the obvious route being that Bill Callahan and Brian Callahan being together and Bill being able to help out his son is just a cooler story. Kind of like we talk about LeBron James, which we've been doing here. LeBron getting a chance to play with Bronny would mean the world to him. That's just how some of these people operate. That's how I, everyone works differently. I obviously work differently than what Bill and Brian Callahan would operate as. So uh, it doesn't work out for the Browns' favor. According to Mary Kay Cabot in this report, we're going to lose our offensive line coach, which means we lose our offensive line coach. We lose our tight ends coach. We lose our running backs coach. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Savansky's going to have a chance to build out a staff here, but that's a big blow to one of the best offensive lines in the NFL for the previous half-decade-plus. Daryl Ryder. Now confirming the initial report, source confirms Coach Bill Callahan headed to Tennessee to join his son, Brian Callahan, staff with the Titans. Of course, Mary Kay Cabot, the first one to report that news. So it is confirmed by our Browns insider, Daryl Ryder. We'll get you more on this one as well, and also get your phone calls on LeBron. Joe Varden coming your way at 740 with more on the wine and gold. It's overtime. With Jonathan Peter, here with you on The Fan. The All-Star East Reserves and that selection coming down. Okay, so... Jalen Brown is one. Donovan Mitchell is two. Jalen Brunson is three. Bam Adebayo is four. Julius Randle is five. Tyrese Maxey is six. Which means we got one more selection, and that is going to be Bankero from the Magic. So that is that is no good for Jared Allen. Jared Allen does not make the reserves. Now there is a an outside chance that Joel Embiid, because of the injury, doesn't end up being the all-star game starter, and decides maybe not to play, I don't know. Time will tell, I guess, on that one. We're a couple weeks out. I guess something could happen. I mean, Joel Embiid is missing national games, but then he's also kind of forcing himself to play some of these games. So you basically could take it any direction you want. I, I am not surprised by this outcome in the slightest bit, solely because as great as Jared Allen had been, I just didn't think he'd done enough. I think the slow start to the season for Jared Allen and the slow start to the season for the Cavs, by the way, is probably what did him in here. Though, can we be honest about it? If Jared Allen had been playing like he had been over the previous four weeks for the entirety of the year, then it's a different conversation. Then Jared Allen is 100% an All Star reserve, and there's not a debate. It's just not. It's not even a question mark. But the slow start, mixed with the fact that Jared Allen really didn't blossom. Until you got him and Donovan Mitchell being the one two punch on this team. And it's, it's just obvious. Yeah. You know, I, sometimes I like to look at the all star games and hey, you ever go back and do this? You go back and you look at like who actually made the all star games and you're just looking at different years. Like, for instance, the other day I went back and I was looking at the 97 one that was here and just, just, just to see the starters on each team and each side. And the, and the East side was just not, it was not very, it was not. Sorry. Was it the, I don't remember now. I don't remember. One side was just completely atrocious, all things considered from a starting perspective. I don't think it would have been the East at that point. Uh, the East was loaded with all sorts of different people, so it was not the East. But either way. Now, now it makes me want to pull it back up again. I I said a couple days. It's been a lot longer than that for being truthful about it. But like, I like to think about any type of these selections in in regards to history. Would it put in proper context to say that Jared Allen is a two-time all-star? Or just a one, one time all star back in 2022. And then has had himself a really nice career ever since. Right. As of right now, it feels like it makes more sense to say Jared Allen is the latter as opposed to the former. Yeah. Both, both 97 teams were on the East and the West side was good. I was thinking about Jordan in my head. Jordan and Pippen starting in that. And then Penny Hardaway. And then I couldn't come up with the other ones was Grant Hill, Patrick Ewing. And then on the other side of the West, Charles Barkley. That's good. Sean Kemp was in there. Okay. John Stockton, Gary Payton, Akeem Olajuwon, there's good players all the way around. Must have been a completely different All-Star game. Some All-Star games, though, the East versus the West, and we're back to that format this year. We did six years of that that like awkward, put them up on the podium and then have them draft each other like it's a schoolyard selection, one, then the other, one, then the other. We're done with that in the NBA right now. They went back to the old school East versus West, which I really do like, and they also canceled the Elam ending which is that ending where they had to end on a game-winning shot, a target score, essentially, which sometimes ended weird because sometimes it ended on a walk-off free throw. And a walk-off free throw, there's not a worse ending in sports than a walk-off free throw. Like, Tiesto no Thursdays get the people going, walk-off, Thursday, uh, walk-off free throws, get, gets absolutely nobody going. So anyway, long way of saying I'm sorry to Jared Allen that you didn't make the All Star team. You played great over the previous month, but you don't make All Star teams based off of one month of play. That's it's just as simple as that. You got to be, you got to do more than that. There's just that it's the only way to put it. Now, had we had a point where it wasn't, where there was no Evan Mobley and no Donovan Mitchell for the last three months. Instead of the last month, we might be having a different discussion because when you line up the the big man in the the big men in the East minus Joel Embiid, listen, I like Bam Adebayo. I do. I'm not going to try to to rip on Bam Adebayo. Right? Bam Adebayo is a 20 and 10 player. He's very very good. He's very talented. I'm not going to rip on Bam Adebayo. But outside of Joel Embiid. When you get having the discussion based off of what you watched with Jared Allen over this past month, if he was able to do that three months in a row, he'd be a no brainer to me. No brainer. It just came a little bit too late. And now I do wonder what's gonna happen when you get this thing moving forward and then you you have the core four instead of what turned out to be close to a big two. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Sean in Houston up next on the fan. What's up, Sean?
1: Hey like I guess I wanted to hit on what you were talking about. Are we okay with the Cavs being average when we had LeBron we won championships? And I look at it as the Browns, where we were happy to be decent, and now we've been decent for four years, and we we don't want to just win a playoff and want a super like we want to win a Super Bowl. The Indians, I feel like we've never spent money, so we've always just been or sorry, the Guardians, we've like we never spent money, so we're just okay, like we're over exceeding almost every year like outside this year mm-hmm. with the cabs we spent money we made trades and now i'm tired of it like we've seen the experiment can you name me two two point guards that have ever won a championship and clay thompson is not a two point guard with that they're just two guards like we got two undersized guards like i don't want a homegrown player i'm not emotionally attached to anybody on this team i want a championship we got a killer at point guard in Donovan. Dude's a beast. I know what I have in Garland. I don't want that. Trade him for a wing. Do what like the Knicks did. The Knicks got rid of their homegrown player. They kept the big-name guy in Brunson, the trade guy in Randall. Trade the homegrown guy and go out there and create a team that can compete. It's great to win in the regular season. I don't want to be the Jazz from four years ago. I don't want to be this team that's good in the regular season. We're not going to beat the bucks that are wing players that are 6-8. We need wing players. Do it. It's annoying. Sean, I, I don't want the regular season.
0: I get it. I do. And thank you, man. I do appreciate you. I am closer to that than I ever have been in regards to Darius. And, and he asked like which ones have been two true point guards, or really two guard systems that have been able to do anything? Any any name I would give you? Like if I said Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars, you'd turn around and you'd be like, "Jonathan, that was that was 1989." Like you were born in 1989, you can't really. Can you bring something from the high def TV era for me, please? And I'm like, yeah, no, I know. I I I get it. The Spurs won three NBA titles, right? And you can talk about uh, you can talk about Tony Parker and Ginobili, but Ginobili's considered to be an elite shooting guard. That's not. Sorry, like Darius is not an elite shooting guard. It's not. It's not. Uh, it, it just. It doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. It, it, it's very very tough to do what a lot of people are asking Garland and Donovan to do. And I, I feel like the the prime example in recent years is obviously what happened in Portland. Dame time, as I as I touch my imaginary watch that is not on my wrist, but Dame has me so conditioned to do so. Dame and CJ McCollum. Like that's the gold standard what everyone points to as far as for being a massive, underwhelming disappointment in what you thought was going to be a great two guard system. And and honestly when they I, I don't think the, the Cavs put it together this way, thinking to themselves, like, oh, we have a, no I, no, I just think they took it the, they looked at the opportunities ahead of themselves, and they, when opportunities struck, they had to do it. They knew when they had Darius, and they had the opportunity to get Donovan Mitchell, the only way to try to take another step forward, and really the, the bad, the biggest crime the Cavs had, is thinking that they were in better shape with Evan Mobley than they were. That is the biggest crime the Cavs had. They, they, pulled the trigger, and they made a big, splashy move and traded all those assets and first-round picks for Donovan, and nobody can really begrudge him because of it, Uh at least I can't, because at the time you were trying to add as much talent as you could, and you also thought Evan Mobley was going to blossom into this once-in-a-generation NBA talent. It's not the Cavs thinking that is the problem. Their thinking was solid. Their logic, even though you don't want a two-guard system... Your, your idea at that point was just to add as much talent as you can because Evan Mobley is so great and Darius had had a nice season before they got and acquired Donovan Mitchell. Like uh, the name of the game was just get as much talent as you possibly can. They found a way to do that. I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear a lot of you guys calling up and being like, no, Donovan, don't do that. it was, it was sound. It was the, it was, the idea was sound, but now you have to adjust. Evan didn't grow the way that we thought he would. He didn't. You got to adjust. Unless he makes some sort of big three-month stretch to show me something different, you're going to have to adjust. And I don't know what that means. But I do know, and talking to my brother-in-law all over the weekend, and I know he's not the only one that shares this sentiment, because let's be honest about it. Even though I know we're supposed to only play for titles and we're only supposed to care about Super Bowls and NBA championships and World Series, sometimes the journey is just as nice as the destination. I always think about this with off season trades. Remember that off season the Browns acquired Odell Beckham Jr. You know? And for like three months, we just thought we were awesome and couldn't be touched. That was almost as fun as the actual season to me. Like like that, like just the thinking about it and just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna be awesome. Can you believe we have OBJ and Jarvis Landry and he's gonna be able to work with Baker who's cooking? Like this is gonna be insane. We were wrong, but for those three months, wasn't that great? Like I, I don't know. Sometimes it is about the journey and less less about the destination when it comes to the, some of this stuff. And if you're going to be the three, four, five seed and be competitive in every game you play in, for a lot of fans, I do feel like that is good enough. It might not be a title, and right now they can't win a title. But you're not in the doghouse. You're not at the bottom of the chili pot. It's not a bad place to be, all things considered. You could be the Detroit Pistons. It could be a lot worse, and we've been there in very recent years. All right, Joe Varden on the Jared Allen snub and everything else around the NBA. What, what do they do with Evan Mobley moving forward? He'll join us coming up next. It's Overtime with John of the Beetle and here with you on The Fan. All right, back out of here on The Fan. We go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Let's talk the, the athletics. Joe Varden here on 92.3. Joe, how's it going tonight?
2: Doing okay, you know. It's busy, uh, busy time for me. You know, All Star Reserves, uh, All Star Weekend coming up not too long. Uh, Team USA, uh, lots of news coming out of uh, you know out of uh, Colorado Springs or you know wherever Grant Hill lives. I guess that's (laughs) Orlando. So you know, um, it's fun. It's you know, it's uh, it's a good time to be to be at work. News we found out this
0: hour: Jared Allen did not make the reserve team. Some are calling it a snub. I don't know. Uh, Do you think this is a snub
2: of Jared Allen? Yeah, I, I do, but also, um, I feel like his injury to start the year hurt him a little bit. And then I just think the Cavs slow start to the year hurt him. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, onlookers and I, I mean, you know, we know that, that coaches pick the, the reserves, but I just feel like teams and eyeballs went away from the Cavs a little bit when they got off to that slow start and they've missed some really good ball and, and Jarrett has been, Awesome. I mean, just awesome over the last two months. You know, he's a, he's a walking double double. Um, and certainly, you know, had a chance to make it this year.
0: Joe, I see you tweeting out and you, you saying you like all the All-Star games and the Pro Bowl events and everything. Uh, do you like that the All-Star game is going back to the traditional format? We got no Elam ending. Uh, we're going back to East versus West. Is this a good move for the All-Star game? Well, We'll see
2: because um, the, the caveat is, you know, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna go back to the way it used to be fine. But the caveat is uh, you guys have to play harder. And that comes uh, as an edict from the league office. Of course, there isn't anything they can do to enforce that. Um, they don't have a hammer in this in this case. But whether we're doing it Elam style or we're doing it the old way, um, the players have lost interest in this game. They do not give the effort, uh, that, that an NBA All-Star game deserves. And, and like, yes, it's supposed to be an exhibition. Yes, the regular season's crazy long. Um, we have a hard enough time getting guys to play enough games as it is. Um, but there is a history there that runs up to about, I don't know, like 2014, 2013, maybe 2015. Like there is a history of like, Yeah, maybe the players would mess around for a while, but at least the fourth quarter would be interesting. Mm -hmm. It got out of hand. Um, And then when we went to the captains and then the Elam style, um, the combination was first in uh, in play in 20, I guess it would be 2020, February 2020 there uh, in Chicago. Um, That game was awesome, and we thought, like the league had figured it out and this was going to be a way to make the all-star game more interesting. And of course it just kind of went slowly back in the other direction. Um, You know, I thought the Cleveland game was okay. You know, Steph set a record for threes. LeBron uh, hit the game winning shot, you know, hometown guy. Like I thought that was cool, but certainly by the end of the all-star game last year in Salt Lake City we had all agreed that it was a, a disaster again so let's go back to the way things used to be um, east versus west 12 uh, or 4 12 minute quarters and you know just put in
0: a little extra effort Joe, let's dive into the Cavs. I, I loved your piece on the athletic with Sam Merrill because I'm very confused on what to do with him. On Monday, he played just a couple minutes and then, you know, yesterday against the Pistons, he had some good action and he looked really good. I, what, what do you think JP is going to do?
2: And I, I mean, he's earned more, hasn't he? Well, I think so. And I, I had, I did, I pointed out to Sam, um, last night when we were talking that, hey, you know, when you played against the Clippers and your playing time was already getting squeezed because Mobley coming back, you only took one shot. And he, you know, I mean, that's true. So, you know, he agreed. And and he knows that like when he gets the opportunity that he can't play that way, he's got to come out gun it. And it was great to see against the Pistons that he gets, gets walks right out on the floor Comes off the screen and he's chucking threes right away, and that that is part of the difference that he can make. But yeah, as we talk about going forward and what J. V. Bickerstaff is going to do, like whether it was um, in the days leading up to Paris or, or or at the Paris game, which you know I was there, um, and then when they came home, like the Cavs have been saying, like, no, this is how we are going to play from now on. We are going to shoot a ton of threes. We're going to run. We're going to move off screens. We're going to find the open man. Great. Sam Merrill is the quintessential player for that. He is your best three-point shooter. He moves off screens like Kyle Korver used to. Um, he does things that there's not that many guys in the NBA who can do it, just the way he moves, cuts, mm-hmm. move, runs off screens, and shoots. Um, but they have Evan Mobley, and they've got a a lot of, you know, equity and investment in Evan and they're going to play Evan and Jarrett together, which is going to squeeze minutes for Dean Wade, who deserves time this year. And it's going to squeeze some time for, for Isaac Okoro, who's having his best year. Um, and then of course you got Donovan and you've got Darius and, and, and Karis LeVert. So like, those guys are all gonna in, in some way, shape or form, can take minutes away or, or be in front of Sam Merrill. So what JB has said he's going to do is he's gonna play 10 guys in the first half. Um, you know, you're gonna play your starters deep into the first quarter, then you get to the second unit, get all them in, and you know you go back to your starters, I guess, midway through the second quarter, whatever. But whoever's playing the best uh, out of out of your reserves, like maybe the top three, maybe four, are the guys who get the run in the second half. I don't know if that's going to work. And when you come to the playoffs, if you can, you want to shrink your rotation to nine guys and, and maybe even eight. I think you're better off if you can play nine. Um, they feel like they can. You know, we'll see. Um, and we'll see where where Sam fits into that. But in a league that where three point shooting is almost the most important thing you can do and you have a guy who's better at it than everybody else on the team, you kind of have to find a way for him to stay on the floor. and, And that's what JB said.
0: You know, kind of leads us to uh, you know our friend Jason Lloyd. I I was I defended him. I liked his take. I thought it was a good one. Evan Mobley needs to be shooting more threes. And then and you know you heard JP on Monday in the pregame, he was out there like, uh, yeah, if he gets aggressive with it, he's gonna he's got to catch the ball and be able to shoot it. Last night we saw him do that once, and then he just kind of abandoned it. Uh, I, do you feel like that's the right mentality though? Getting to what maybe more what Jason's suggesting, where Evan can become that three point shooter.
2: Well, Jarman, I, I don't know if you know this. Um, certainly, like, some of the listeners who have heard me, you know, babble on for the last 10 years know this. I grew up in Talmadge, Talmadge, Ohio, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a group of buddies uh, that I grew up with, and they are all very, very serious Cavs fans, and we talk Cavs every day via text, every day. Mm-hmm. And they are all furious at me because I have been saying – that if if the Cavs are going to play the way they have been playing, the only real option is for Evan to shoot some threes. Like they they ran a one in four out offense while while Evan Mobley was out. If they are going to continue to shoot forty threes a game, he, he's going to have to at least take a couple. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 yes, I, I admit it goes against. Every statistic that you can find, he, he takes point, not one, point five threes a game. Okay. Like that, like that's his average. Like he doesn't shoot these things. And when he does, they don't go in. But for this to work, he's got to at least stand out there from time to time. He's got to take the shot and he's got to keep looking at it until it goes in. Even if he can shoot 25% from three, um, that makes you think about it. Uh, or it's going to leave somebody else open on the perimeter. Um, you know, there there are some other options here, which JB has done so far, and that is to stagger Evan and Jared a little bit. Yeah. Um, go to your bench a little earlier and then, you know, come back with Evan uh, as your backup five. I like that, and that's a way to play one in four out with, um, with Evan as the five. But Jason's right, and by the way, even if Jason was wrong, Even if I'm wrong, the coach of the Cavs is is the one saying this out loud. He's saying this has to happen. Evan has to shoot. So, you know, we'll see. Since JB said that, Evan has taken one three. So we'll see. (laughs)
0: <laughs> why, why do you feel like his his offensive game hasn't necessarily blossomed from year one to year three? I kind of I relate him to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert came in the NFL; he was an A minus quarterback, which is very good. Everyone's thrilled about that, and then you kind of watch as the years go on, and it's like you're A minus, but you're supposed to get to A plus. And with Mobley, he's A minus out of the gate, and he's just kind of he's just kind of stayed there. Justin
2: has way better hair than Evan.
0: <laughs> not way when, better. Not when he he shaved it. Do you remember when he shaved it his rookie season? It was the yeah, I worst. Yeah, but outside <laughs> of that, you're right. He got it together now.
2: Um, yeah, so uh, why has Evan's game not developed? So, of course, there's going to be two schools of thought on this. Um, the, one is, well, uh, they didn't know when they drafted him, and then even the summer after um, when he w- got in the lab and started working on all this different stuff, they didn't know they were going to trade for Donovan Mitchell. And adding Donovan to the flow um, took the ball out of Evan's hands in a way that they didn't want, that they hadn't planned on. And Evan just doesn't get the looks, doesn't get the opportunities in an, in an offense when in addition to playing alongside of Darius Garland, who's really good, mm-hmm. you've got an all-NBA player who is fifth or sixth in the league in scoring. Like That guy needs the touches. That's one. The second one is he's got a ceiling, and he's not developing into the next Kevin Garnett the way that so many people had made that comparison. Um, you know, in that scenario, Evan Mobley still has a very long NBA career ahead of him as an all-defense-type player. Um, and so, like, he'll always be a factor. He'll always be a good player for whoever has him. But this matters, and and this is you know I mean this this affects the Cavs' future. I mean I, you know certainly when they w- when they brought Donovan in, they said we will be ready to contend when Evan is ready. Well, we're a year and a half into it, and Evan maturity wise for an NBA player, I mean like he knows how to play, he knows how to be an NBA player. Um, but if this is who he is offensively, I mean you have to recalibrate what you need to do to get to the top. Um, So, you know, I think for the rest of the year, you know, I mean, they found this one in four out. We'll see. Um, You know, what we do know is against the Knicks last year in the playoffs, having Mm -hmm. two bigs who couldn't shoot hurt them and they lost. Um So they have to be different or they have to be better at what they were trying to do last year. It's one or the other. All
0: right, I got to ask you, Uh LeBron tweeting out with the hourglass and everything. He's not playing tonight, him and Anthony Davis. Ken Carman in the morning said he didn't want LeBron back on the Cavs if given the option. I think we can both agree that it's just not going to even be in play. But I want your thoughts on the latest developments around LeBron and then whether or not uh, if the opportunity arose, if this Cavs team would actually consider it, or if they would just say, like, no, we're, we're doing our own thing right now?
2: You know, last question first. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what they would do if they could get him right now. Because to do it, you would have to tear this team apart.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he makes, like, $47 million or something like that. Um, so if you <laughs> – guess what? If you wanted to trade Evan Mobley for LeBron – you would have to throw in so many more pieces that really you're going to have to find a third team to do that, to even get to even get to that number. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think I, 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 this is what, I'm not smart enough to pull that trade off. <laughs> um, and I also I know the Lakers. I know Jeannie. So I certainly know Rob Polinka and, and, I, and I am aware of, of how Genie thinks and operates out there in Los Angeles, and they are not one, they never have been, to walk away from their stars, and they, they are always going to believe when they have a team of stars that that team is capable of getting it together. So I I would be stunned if they did that. If they if they moved on from LeBron now, um, I just don't think they I just don't think they will do it. Um, you know, we can have a discussion about what's going to happen this summer. Um, and I, you know, there's the, the idea about Bronny and 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 if Bronny gets drafted, like LeBron might want to play with him. You know, I have always said since this has been a topic of discussion that LeBron and LeBron's family. Are so happy in Los Angeles that I, I cannot conceive um, LeBron moving away uh, for for any period of time. Um, and and I also I don't think that anybody would draft Bronny like as a gimmick to try to like steal LeBron. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I think that would backfire for them. <laughs> so 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 I just think that there's just a way that Bronny ends up on the Lakers and they they figure this out, but. Like you know, I, I mean LeBron. Even since he's been in LA, like almost every year, maybe other than the championship year, like he gets upset about now, and he he, he does these tweets and and maybe one time he like like the, the the sort of impatience that that he he suggests he has, like maybe it'll boil over and 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 he actually leaves Los Angeles. I still don't see it, but in that scenario, now the Cavs are in play.
0: For sure. Joe, fantastic stuff as always. Of course, uh, implore want to go check out the latest in the Sam Merrill article. That was fantastic as well. And, I uh, appreciate you giving us a few minutes and we'll catch up with you later. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Looking, looking forward to it. All right. Good stuff right there. Catching up with Joe as always. We're coming back. I want to hear from you guys. 216474 to below 92. Let's get to the big Browns news of the evening. Bill Callahan going to join his son Brian in Tennessee. Browns lose their offensive line coach. How big of a deal is this? Little deal, big deal, no deal. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on The Fan.